first. I'm just explaining. I read the first. What oh, because your mic isn't on. I'm sorry. Yeah, put your shit on, man. Get your shit together. We're going. Joey said, shut up. Oh, He's oh hanging. You don't, You're good. Don't worry. No, we're not going yeah, to play it's, yet. It's your you job asked to me do why the thing. I haven't read Harry Potter. Hangry. There's no real reason. My sister had read like all of them a million times. And I started reading the first one uh, out loud to her. And that was it. And that's as far as I got, basically. my I think my inclination so was like, I always, it was a weird thing. I was like, well, maybe when I have kids, I'll just read them with my kids. But I'm like, eh. At a certain point, I'm like, I don't really care one way or the other. That was a half thought that I had. Yeah. had. But more importantly, I just, the re- why haven't I read Harry Potter? Because I don't really care. Okay. It's so so good. many people just gasped, too. It's so good. Like, I'm sure everybody listening to this is just like, <gasps> Like Sorry, my little that's why. Hello, everyone, Tanks. and welcome to another oh, episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, Mr. Sean, Sean Faw. I am Joey Bonnier, special guest, <laughs> Kelly Ridgeway, and here he is. He's got a secret, and I ain't prying. Sean O'Brien. That was a good one. That, I feel like that was that's, a reuse. I was so angry. Right. They oh, judge me no. all the time. Oh, can I ever no. just get one off without you commenting about That's it? That's what she said. Yeah, you can get off anytime you want. Oh, my God. Yep. Child. Yeah. Children. Child's ridden. You child's ridden. Child. Yeah. You child, child's ridden. Kinder. Child, please. You kin daughter. Honey boo boo child. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're off to a flying start. Jesus Christ. That was a good 2009 <laughs> Cultural <joke. laughs> references. <laughs> um... As you reach into your bag and pull out a book from a hundred years ago. Yeah, that was one of his more recent references. <laughs> Let's give him some credit. At least it's not a Weird Al reference from the 70s. 80s. Weird Al was not around. 80s, yeah, okay, sorry. sorry. 79. He was 78. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Is they, that old? They were they were smacking the accordion case in the bathroom in around 78, I think, Dr. Demento. Excuse me. Smacking smack the accordion case. Smacking the accordion case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they were in their uh, <laughs> they were in their college you know, dorm and went into the oh, yeah. bathroom. You know the whole smack in the it's accordion gay slang. case. You know it. Yeah. Bob Bermuda Schwartz <laughs> was banging on the accordion case while Al was playing it and singing in the bathroom, and they made the recording. My uh, my, my Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. Ugh. Big fans. Big fans, <laughs> <over here. laughs> Big fans over here. My Bologna. Wow. What's your favorite Weird Al song, Bill? <laughs> uh, none. Jesus. I think you'd like uh, The Saga Begins, even though you hate uh, mm. American Pie. She hmm. probably likes Gangster's no, Paradise. No, I, I don't like that song. Really? How much I, Paradise? I hate the song American Pie. Oh, that's and understandable. So even if it's a fake American Pie song, yeah. I'm not going to like it. <laughs> it is a... Rather excruciating Did song to get through. I Chuck like Star Wars. So that's even worse. Shave. What's your favorite, Obi? Oh man, that's tough. An original track. You probably actually. Yeah. It's probably, it's, I think it's either like oddly Albuquerque, or I think it, that's your horoscope for today is way up there too. Um, Biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I don't remember that one. Oh, it's a great one. I don't remember that one. In my favorite. The Rye or the Kaiser. That's a good one. Rye or the Kaiser. I love right that on. one. That's an yeah. old, older it's, classic. That's OG. It's like, yeah. that's, a, that's a good one. That might even be the original album. That might be the, the LD. No, I don't think so. Oh, was you that, know what? It is. It definitely the is. Food the album yeah. with yeah. Eat It? Does that have Eat It on it? The food album oh, God, was totally. Eat it was later, food album yeah. was like later. the greatest hits. Oh, yeah. okay. So Eat It was the title track, I believe, of that album. Yes, sir. It was. Uh, I believe Fat was the title track of the album as also well. Also correct. Fat's pretty funny. Even worse. 
Because he, he was bad right. and even worse. Yeah, it yeah. was the bad one. It was even worse. Yeah. That was, well, that was on fat, though. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's the rye or the Kaiser, the wheat or the white, right? No. I don't know the lyrics. It's I'm the not sure. rye or oh, the Kaiser, the, or the, the wheat the, or no, the, the white. No, the thrill of the fight. Well, that's the real. Uh, I'm pretty sure. No, Did that's I guess the real. It? The thrill of the fight really? is the real song. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I have the, the weed of the, the, the right. The weed of the right makes more sense. The yeah. weed or it's the white. It's about toast. Anyway, I have your dinner welcome, to, welcome, to, welcome to please. Welcome to Weird Al fucking podcast time. Oh, you guys should make <laughs> one. The two Shans talk Weird Al. Wait, what about me? You don't. That's, you're not a super that's fan. Kind of like every episode. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why I belong. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably fair. We would need like a like a base to the. All about to go. <laughs> what? Oh, your base card belongs to us. Um, anyway, I have books, guys. It's the same books from last week uh, because I haven't moved. Um, so we have uh, All of King's Men and The Gambler, which we read last time. So those are now off the table. Oh. Literally off the table. Yep, that's the floor. That's not the table. So we have uh, The Idiot by Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Underworld by Don DeLillo. Sorry, I will put this this way so that way all my brethren can see. Except me. Um, I will put I, uh, uh, War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Man, F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> lovely, guys. I have uh, The Master and Margarita by uh, Margarita. somebody. Um, I have uh, The Godfather. So now we're into our mob shit. I have The Godfather by Mario Puzzo. I have Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy as well. Yeah, that's mob shit right there. Gangsta. That's <laughs> gangsta is fucking Anna Karenina. Um, I have uh, The Mob by a guy, I don't know what it was. Virg- Virgil W. Peterson. Some douche. Uh, Verge. 200 years of organized crime in New York, and I also have Mafia the first 100 years. Hey, Verge. So <laughs> here you are. You have- The Godfather. Mafia. Wow, she's quick on the draw. Kelly Bell called quick on The Godfather. The movie's boring. I'm sure the book is boring her. <gasps> I mean, the movie is pretty boring, but it's great. <gasps> Don't listen to Sean o- Sean Faw. It's, it's good, though. What would I know about Do you movies? think the Godfather is good? It's a hot take, Bell. <laughs> <laughs> that was really mean. I'm sorry. She's looking at me with such such betrayal in her eyes. I'm so sorry. I felt really bad. But you that's, said the Godfather was like good. What I can would I say, do? Man. <laughs> what are you talking about? I felt bad. Why are you making fun of me? I'm sorry. Because the Godfather there. was very good. It was right there. Yes. It was low-hanging fruit. That's I agree with you. Good. The Godfather is a very good movie. I still disagree. You're See? out of your fucking mind. He doesn't know anything. I don't like no. Pacino, though. Isn't the shit. He thinks 2001's a bad movie. Yeah, it's boring as fuck. No, 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 no. It's, of course it's boring, yeah, it's 2001, boring, yeah. but it's very good. Mm. I'm going to bring a... I'm, that's all I'm bringing next the, time. These things you have are, to be in it f- to win. To win it, yeah. Yeah. These are two completely different concepts to me. have to be too We have legit. The Godfather. To quit. To quit. Yeah. I'm going to start reading too The Godfather legit. unless you guys have a better I said option. The Mafia. To quit. The Mafia one? Yeah. The first hundred years? Yeah. Any other takers? Uh, Joey, your your uh, logical only option is on the table. Uh, <laughs> Godfather. Red Rum? <laughs> I win. Yeah, so that's the book he puts away. Well, well you're- <laughs> Isn't that usually how it happens? So first things first. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, but Kelly's here. Yeah, changes the game. That changes the game. The correct yeah. answer was the mob. Is the one he was supposed to choose. For I was Joey? going yeah. to. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. what I was. That that's, was the correct answer. But I was, if Kelly wasn't here, I would have done that. Um, oh, 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 I mean, guys, I, wait, I have to read the Mafia. Or I have to read the Godfather. Like, I can't. What do you want to do? I have to read the Godfather. Okay, you okay. know that. You ain't have to do shit. You, Kelly said the Godfather. 
Plus, you already insulted her. You got to got to pay her back a little bit. I think that that's where it that's is. The that's the thing. That's what yeah, happened. You if I didn't make fun of her before I had. You, you didn't happened. make fun of me at all. It's fine. Why are your arms crossed so frequently? <laughs> She's Trump. She's doing a Trump impression. <laughs> yes. She's Trump. She's it's Trump. It's just how uncomfortable, you guys. So okay. I, I'm, I'm glad you guys picked The Godfather because the majority of this book, all they do is talk about how big Sonny's dick is. Nice. And what? I'm not. Is that the first <laughs> really? chapter? It's the first 20 chapters until he dies <laughs> is how big Sonny's cock is. Yeah. It's well, fucking ridiculous. You said I'm there's not, another not, weird storyline too, right? It, yes. There's plenty. It's weird, man. And yes, that is pretty much it. Anyway, so we're going to read The Godfather by Mario Puzo. I'll leave the other mafia ones on the table, but I shall take off all the Russia and other shit. Well, I'll leave fucking Underworld Russia. on the table just for argument's sake. Jesus Christ. Do you not like the sake of argument? He has to set the stage. Yeah. Wait, it's just you one realize it's an audio I'm trying to remember right? who's Sonny in the movie. Is it James Conn? James Conn. Okay. okay. All right. So. Even though he man. looks massively tall, he's not that tall. It's called Napoli. All right. So, uh, <laughs> The Godfather by Mario Puzo. For Anthony Clary. I bet he has a big dick. Wait, what? Anthony. Book one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Behind That's every dedicated to behind every great fortune, <laughs> there is a crime. It sounds about right. Let the record show that Sean O'Brien just smugly smiled at all of us. <laughs> Chapter one <laughs> by Donald Trump. It was really adorable. This is the art of the deal, by the way. <laughs> just kidding. Sonny Corleone sat reclined, his cock hang. No, come <laughs> on. <laughs> all right. Chapter one. <laughs> it was a beautiful cock Amanigo <laughs> Bonacetto sat in the New York criminal court card number three And waited for justice Vengeance On the men who had so cruelly hurt his daughter It was the best of cocks It was the worst of cocks Who had tried to dishonor her The judge, a formidably heavy-featured man Rolled up his sleeves of his black robe As if to physically chastise the two young men Standing before the bench His face was cold with majestic contempt But there was something false in all this that Amerigo Bonacera sensed, but did not yet understand. You acted like the worst kind of degenerates, the judge said harshly. Yes, yes, that Amerigo Bonacera. Animals, animals. The two young men, animals glossy cut? hair, crew cut, scrubbed clean cut faces, composed into humble contrition, bowed their heads in submission. The judge went on. You acted like wild beasts in a jungle, and you are fortunate you did not sexually molest that poor girl or I'd put you behind bars for 20 years. The judge paused. His eyes, beneath impressively thick brows, flickered slyly toward the sallow-faced Mario Bonacera, then lowered to a stack of probation reports before him. He frowned and shrugged as if convinced against his own natural desire. He spoke again. But because of your youth, your clean records, because of your fine families, and because so we're the law— in its majesty, mm-hmm. does not seek vengeance. I hereby sentence you to three years' confinement to the penitentiary. Sentence to be suspended. What? Only 40 years of professional mourning kept, over the whelming fr- kept the overwhelming frustration and hatred from showing on Amerigo Bonacera's face. His beautiful young daughter was still in the hospital with her broken jaw wired together, and now these two animals went free. It had been a farce. He watched the happy parents cluster around their darling sons. Oh, they were happy now. They were smiling now. The black bile 
sourly bitter, rose in Bonacera's throat, overflowed through tightly clenched teeth. He used his white linen pocket handkerchief and held it against his lips. He was standing up. So when the two young men strode freely up the aisle, confident and cool-eyed, smiling, not giving him so much a glance, he let them pass without saying a word, pressing the fresh linen against his mouth. Oh, yeah. The parents of the animales were coming by now. Two men, two women, his age, but more American in their dress. They glanced at him, shamefaced, yet in their eyes was an odd, triumphant defiance. Out of control, Bonacera leaned forward toward the aisle and shouted hoarsely, You will weep as I have wept. I will make you weep as your children make me weep. The linen at his eyes now. The defense attorneys bringing up the rear swept their clients forward in a tight little band, enveloping the two young men who had started back down the aisle as if to, as if to protect their parents. A huge bailiff moved forward to block the row in which Bonacera stood. But... It was not necessary. All his years in America, Amerigo Bonacera had trusted in law and order, and he had prospered thereby. Now, though his brain smoked with hatred, the wild visions of buying a gun and killing these two young men jangled the very bones of his skull, Bonacera turned to his still uncomprehending wife and explained to her, They have made fools of us. He paused and made his decision no longer fearing the cost. For justice, we must go to our key, to our knees, to Don Corleone. In a garishly decorated Los Angeles hotel suite, Johnny Fontaine was as jealously drunk as any ordinary husband. Sprawl on a red couch, he drank straight from the bottle of scotch in his hand, then washed the taste away by dunking his mouth in a crystal bucket of cubes and water. It was four in the morning, and he was spinning drunken we fantasies of murdering <laughs> his chirpy wife when he got home. If she ever did come home, it was too late to call his first wife and ask about the kids, and he felt funny about calling any of his friends now that their career was plunging downhill. There had been a time when they would have been delighted, flattered by his calling them at four in the morning, but now he bored them. He could even smile a little at himself as he thought that uh, that on his way up to Johnny Fontaine's troubles had fantasized some of the greatest female stars in America. Gulping at his bottle of scotch, he heard finally his wife's key in the door, but he kept drinking until she walked into the room and stood before him. She was to him so very beautiful. The angelic face, soulful, violet eyes, the delicately fragile but perfectly formed body. On the screen, her beauty was magnified, spiritualized. A hundred million men all over the world were in love with the face of Margot Ashton and paid to see it on the screen. Where the hell were you? Johnny Fontaine asked. Out fucking, she said. She had misjudged his drunkenness. He sprang over the cocktail table and grabbed her by the throat, but close to that magical face, the lovely violet eyes, he lost his anger and became helpless again. She made the mistake of smiling, mockingly. Saw his first drawback. She screamed, Johnny, not in the face! I'm making a picture! She was laughing. He punched her in the stomach and she fell to the floor. He fell on top of her. He could smell her fragrant breath as, he, as she gasped for air. He punched her on the arms and thigh muscles on her silky tanned legs. He beat her. And as he had beaten... As, as, he beat her as he had beaten 
snotty, smaller kids long ago, when he'd be in a tough teenager in New York's Hell's Kitchen. A painful punishment that would leave no lasting disfigurement or loosening teeth or broken nose. But he was not hitting her hard enough. He couldn't. She was giggling at him, spread eagle on the floor, her brocaded gown hitched up above her thighs. She taunted him between giggles. <laughs> Come on, stick it. Stick it in, Johnny. That's what you really want. Johnny Fontaine got up. He hated the woman on the floor, but her beauty was a magic shield. Margot rolled away and, in a dancer's spring, was on her feet facing him. She went into a childish mocking dance and chanted, Johnny never hurt me, Johnny never hurt me. Then almost sadly, with grave beauty, she said, You poor silly bastard, giving me cramps like a kid. Ah, Johnny, you always will be a dumb romantic guinea. You ever make love like a kid? You still think screwing is like those dopey songs you used to sing. She shook her head and said, Poor Johnny. Goodbye, Johnny. She walked into the bedroom and he heard her turn the key in the lock. Johnny sat on the floor with his face in his hands. The sick, humiliating despair overwhelmed him. And then the gutter toughness that had helped him survive. The jungle of Hollywood made him pick up the phone and call for a car to take him to the airport. There was one person who could save him. He would go back to New York. Robert he would, Evans. He would go back to the one with the power, the wisdom he needed, the wisdom he needed, love he still trusted, his godfather, Cordillon. I'm going to take a drinky. Take a sippy drinky. So I didn't realize that uh, supposedly the Corleone family mm. resembles the Karamazov family, mm -hmm. brothers Karamazov, which is interesting because you were talking about Quite interesting, actually. Dostoevsky. Yeah. And also, supposedly, it's uh, based on Balzac's novel La, <laughs> La Père Goyriol. The 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 parent the the father what? Griol. Go Goyriot. Goyriot. I don't know. Like what that go means. riot. Oh. Go riot. Oh, the old father. Don't mind if I do. Oh, go riot is Goyriot is like old, I guess. Cool. Anyways, uh, interesting. Thank you, sir. Well, and then supposedly the um, a lot of the, the famous lines from the book are from that novel are basically lifted from that Balzac novel. Oh no way! Okay. Behind every great fortune, there is a crime. Balzac. That's the beginning. <laughs> of course, Johnny Fontaine is who? That's the uh, robot. <laughs> I don't. That's good. He's the singer guy in the movie. He's like. Do you know what he represents? You know, he like the story. Frank, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. From here to eternity. That's the. Did he used to beat pe women up? He still does. She's so good. He's dead. And he's still beating him. He did. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh. Yeah. Some of the I greatest podcast moments I've ever heard. <laughs> what? Can we just run that on a loop? Oh. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't like Frank Sinatra or his music, so I, yeah. I don't know anything about he was him. He's also a pretty big dickwad. Speaking of big dicks. <laughs> The Sunny. baker, that spike. The you know what? I actually am going to skip to Sunny because I don't no. know. No, because you want to read about the dicks. Well, I want you guys to know that I wasn't just obsessed with Dick. I was call to, me was Dick Fredo. There's Fredo. Well, now we think you really kind of are. <laughs> He's got to find it now, so it's like halfway through. Okay. In my younger and it's, more it's vulnerable Dickish years, 
It's, it's tough for him to find his dick. I mean, it, it, it takes him a little longer than it's most so people. It's so big, it can be everywhere. <laughs> is it here? It is just, it there? Yes, it was just cool. really like alarming when I first got to it, when I read this for the first time. But yeah, big dicks are always jarring. All right, I'll just I'll continue where we're at. It's fine. There's the Baker, Enzo, all that shit. I'm going to skip Enzo. It's stupid. The Ferrari? It guy. ends, of course, with the Godfather, Don Corleone. <laughs> Papa Enzo. Uh, all these people and many others received engraved invitations to the wedding of Miss Kelly, Constanza are you looking Corleone. up all the times that Frank Sinatra beat his wives? No. Oh. To be celebrated on the last Saturday <laughs> it fit on her iPhone. in August 1945. The father of the bride, Don Vito Corleone, never forgot his old friends and neighbors, though he himself now lived in a huge house on Long Island. The reception would be held in that house, and the festivities would go on all day. There was no doubt it would be a momentous occasion. The war with the Japanese had just ended, so there would not be any nagging fear for their sons fighting in the army to cloud these festivities. A wedding was just what people needed to show their joy. And so, on that Saturday morning, the friends of Don Corleone streamed out of New York City to do him honor. They bore cream-colored envelopes stuffed with cash as bridal gifts. No checks. Inside each envelope, a card established the identity of the giver. Oh, gold. Is gold okay? And the measure of his respect for the godfather. Bullion. A respect. No. Truly, it's a tra- truly traditional wedding gift. Don Vito Corleone was a man to whom everybody came for help, and never were they disappointed. He made no empty promises, for the craven excuse that his hands were tied by more powerful forces in the world than himself. It was not necessary that he be your friend. It was not even important that he that you had no means with which to repay him. Only one thing was required: that you, you yourself. Proclaim your friendship, a.k.a. loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, I need loyalty. I read this book. I need loyalty. It's called uh, A Higher Loyalty by James Comey. Uh, (laughs) And uh, then, no matter how poor or powerless the supplicant, Don Corleone would take that man's troubles to his heart. And he would let nothing stand in the way of a solution to that man's woe. His reward? Friendship. The friendship title of Don. Friendship is magic. And sometimes the more affectionate salutation of Godfa. And perhaps to show respect only, never for profit, some humble gift. A gallon of homemade wine or a basket of peppered tarelles, specially baked to What's grace Christmas table. I have no idea. I wouldn't take that homemade it's a, wine. It's a big sausage. <laughs> Why not? It was understood. <laughs> it was mere good manners. Wait, you trust big wine now? To proclaim that you were in his debt. And that he had a right to call upon you at any time to redeem your debt by some small service. Ooh. Looks like now, a uh, curly little donut. The trolley. <laughs> now, on this great day, his daughter's wedding. It's like an ampersand. On this, the day of his daughter's wedding. Don Vito Corleone stood in the doorway of his Long, of his long Beach home to greet his guests. All of them known. That shit was in California? The LBC? Many of them owed their good fortune in life to the Don, and on this intimate occasion felt free to call him Godfather to his face. Or Snoop. Even the people performing festival services for LBC. The bartender was an old comrade whose gifts was all the wedding liquors and his own expert skills. The waiters were the friends of Don Corleone's sons. The food on the garden picnic tables had been cooked by the Don's wife and her friends, and the gaily festooned one-acre garden itself had been decorated by the young girl uh, chums of the bride. Don Corleone received everyone, rich and poor, powerful and humble. Oh, yeah, he received them, all right. With an equal show of love. He slighted no one. This was his character. And the guests so exclaimed at how well he looked in his tux, 
that an inexperienced observer might easily have thought that Don himself was the lucky groom. Standing at the door with him were his two, were two of his three sons. The eldest, baptized Santino, but called Sonny by everyone except his father, was looked at askance by it's older like Italian men, with admiration by the younger. Sonny Corleone was tall for a first-generation American of Italian parentage, almost six feet, and his crop of bushy, curly hair made him look even taller. His face was that of a gross cupid. The features even, uh, the features even but bow-shaped lips, thickly sensual. The dimpled, cleft chin, some curious way obscene. <coughs> he was built as powerfully as a bull, and it was common knowledge that he was so generously endowed by nature. <laughs> That his, They're that talking his, about his penis. That his martyred wife feared <laughs> that his martyred wife feared the marriage bed as unbelievers once feared the rack. <laughs> it was whispered that when he was a youth. <laughs> Hold on, can we read that one more time? Sure. Give me one more time. Give me one more time. Uh, he was built as powerfully as a bull, and it was common knowledge that he was so generously and generously endowed by nature that his mar- that his martyred wife feared the marriage bed as unbelievers once feared the rack. It was whispered that when, as a youth, he had visited houses of ill fame, even the most hardened and fearless putain, after an awed inspection of his massive organ, demanded <laughs> double price. Sounds like bullshit. I've seen some videos, man. Here at the wedding feast. Like he's overcompensating. Here at the wedding feast, some young matrons, wide-hipped, wide-mouthed, measured Sonny Corleone with coolly confident eyes. But on this particular day, they were wasting their time. Sonny Corleone, despite the presence of his wife and three small children, had plans for his sister's maid of honor, Lucy Mancini. This young girl, fully aware, sat at a garden table in her pink formal gown, a tiara of flowers in her glossy black hair. She had flirted with Sonny in the past week, rehearsals, and squeezed his hand that morning at the altar. A maiden could do no more. Hey-o. She did not care that he would never be the great man his father had proved to be. Sonny Corleone had strength. He had courage. He was generous, and his heart was admitted to be as big as his organ. <laughs> yet, is this, like, written for a frat boy? What the fuck is yet this? He did not have his father's humility, but instead... Is it Why on page you? 16? I was telling... I'm, I'm not what the, kidding. I wasn't what the hell is going on? I wasn't kidding. <laughs> I know. I was reading. I'm like, we're talking... I feel Why like we're talking Hollywood a lot about his dick. Make it? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I was... I know. I genuinely... I'm very glad we got here, because okay. I was not kidding. <laughs> yet, he did not have his father's humility. <laughs> But instead of a quick, hot temper that led him into errors of judgment. Though he was a great help to his father's business, there were many who doubted that he would become the heir to it. Their second son, Federico, called Fred or Fredo, was a child of every Italian. I'm smart. Was Not a like child this every Italian prayed <laughs> to the saints for. Dutiful, loyal, always at the service of his father, living with his parents at age 30. He was short and burly, not handsome with the same cupid head or the family, uh, cupid head of the family, the curly helmet of hair over the round face and sensual bow-shaped lips. Only in Fred, these lips were not sensual, but granite-like, inclined to dourness. Creepy. He was still a crutch to his father, never disputed him, never embarrassed him by scandalous behavior with women. Despite all these virtues, he did not have the personal magnetism that animal force so necessary for a leader of men and he too was not expected to inherit the family business seems like this book should have like a picture of fabio, fabio on the cover or something like it's just kind of got like a uh, romance novel this one's yeah. funny 
He's the one with the dick. Exactly. <laughs> this is Fredo. He's not so smart. <laughs> <laughs> the third son, Michael Corleone, did not stand with his father and his two brothers, but sat at a table at the most secluded corner of the garden. But even there, he could not escape the intentions of the family friends. Michael Corleone was the youngest son of the Don and the only child who had refused the great man's direction. He did not have the heavy, cupid-shaped face of the other children, and his jet-black hair was straight rather than curly. His skin was a clear olive brown that would have, been be- would have been called beautiful in a girl. He was handsome in a delicate way. Indeed, there had been a time when the Don had worried about his youngest son's masculinity, a worry that was put to rest when Michael Corleone became 17 years old. Got now, a touch of the fae. This youngest son sat at a table in the extreme corner of the garden to proclaim his chosen alienation from father and family. Beside him sat the American girl everyone had heard about, but whom no one had seen until this day. He had, of course, shown the proper respect and introduced her to everyone at the wedding, including his family. They were not impressed with her. She was too thin. She was too fair. Her face was too sharply intelligent for a woman. Her manner too free for a maiden. Her name, too, was outlandish to their ears. She called herself Kay Adams. If she had told them that her family had settled in America 200 years ago and her name was a common one, they would have shrugged. Every guest noticed that the Don paid no, att- no particular attention to his third son. Michael had his favorite. Bef- Michael was his fa- had been his favorite before the war and obviously the chosen heir to run the family business when the proper moment came. He had all the quiet force and intelligence of his great father, the born instinct to act in such a way that men had what about the born identity but to respect them but when world war ii broke out michael corleone volunteered for the marine corps he defied his father's express command when he did so don corleone had no desire no intention of let, getting letting his youngest son be killed in the service of a power foreign to himself this is the 20s no it's 40s okay. world war ii yeah okay. right now it's probably like it, I think it literally says forty-five, like August okay. nineteen forty-five. But they are fighting Italy, mm. so maybe he's torn. I think it said it said <laughs> August nineteen forty-five somewhere. Yo, yo, this guy, he his dick isn't as big as this guy's dick, but he's torn. Yo, he he doesn't. That like, what is this? This is bad. I can't believe this is like known as a good book. I'm surprised. It's not known as it's a good known book. as a good movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference. There were a lot of creative liberties. Isn't taken. that crazy? This is one of the instances where the movie might be better than the book, though. Rare. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just go there. Since we're at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many? What are some bu- movies that are better than the book? Uh, every. That's impossible to say. It's not impossible. We just here's one example. Here's a movie that's better than the There's book. No, no, I mean, just like, I, mean, I haven't read people, any of the books. Oh, <laughs> for you? Oh, you mean for you? Sorry. I thought you meant in a general sense. No. I, I deeply apologize, sir. How do I know? Um, Gone with the Wind's a good example. I've never read Gone with the Wind, but- Never read or I seen. Ima- I would imagine it's okay, but I, I feel like the movie, just in and of itself, as it's, you know, within the medium. The, the Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. I, I'm good. curious maybe to kill a mockingbird? The movie's very good. The book is also equally, very, both if very anything, good. If anything, I'd say the book's better. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm, I'm thinking of many, but I can't think of I've heard really. people say The Hobbit, but I have 
Oh. There's our Italian No food. frame of reference for you there. There's our Italian yeah, food. I totally thought, I thought of something that I was thinking about. That the movie was way better than the book, but I don't remember. There's a lot of good examples of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not, the better question really is how many, how many books and movies are equally good in their own right as the thing that they are. Um, I can think of two. Um, I would say, uh, um, One Foot Over the Cuckoo's Nest is an equally good movie and book and are two both wildly different experiences. Yeah, we did a whole show about that. Yep, we did. Um, and I would also say um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is another good example where the book and movie are both equally good uh, for different reasons. Yeah, equal. Uh, that is the one example I can actually attest to. The uh, That you've read. Anyway. Yeah, I've read and seen both. Um, I think the only other example would be Hitchhiker's Guide, but there is not a version of Hitchhiker's that is better than the book. Oh, no. God, no. Yeah. yeah. The, the the book is vastly superior. Ar- arguably, the BBC version might be yeah, weirdly but, I mean, on par, but... Uh, but that's just a visualization of the book. Yeah, right? yeah totally. It's, then it's just like the book. But make then it the book like, started as a radio play, so it's, you know, kind of a... Yeah. A warp of a warp back Good to Good example, warp. by the way, is Ready Player One, mm. um, where the, the book is the, – I, I mean, I think they're both fine. The movie – I did not like the movie. I haven't well, seen it yet. Like, kind of at all. I, I heard it was like um, kind of – It's uh, very different. Totally different. Well, I know nothing about either. I know, I'm, but, I'm, oh, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I just kind of heard it was like um, uh, oddly oblivious to like social norms or media or pop culture references. Or th- It's not oblivious. It specifically, you know, avoids it. Mm. It's like, could you not get the rights? Like, Oh, gotcha. In that, yeah. Is which, it like all sound alike shit and like fake colas no, and stuff? No, it just doesn't even or? get into anything other than like a few John Hughes movies and mm. Back was, to the Future. Was the book very <laughs> referential? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole point. But in a book. different well, way, like in a super nerd way, like a, instead like of a, like a uh, cool pop culture way. It was like. What was the Ryan Reynolds superhero movie? Uh, not Daredevil. Um, Deadpool. Deadpool. Like a Deadpool kind of. No. Uh, pop culture thing? No, like old video games. And, yeah, it's hard. Like to, gamers. It's hard to break it's old I, movies like Back to the Future. Yeah, that's Deadpool. Yeah, I think the difference. Wow, the difference might be that we hear a glissando right now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a spinning hard drive, I believe. <laughs> Wait, none of my hard drives spin. That doesn't make sense. You've all got SSDs. Yeah, this piece. That was creepy. I wonder I, if that will that come on over the thing. Or yeah, I'll see if I can get rid of it. Maybe. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, no, you I, keep it. I just wonder cool. what the references you can do in a book versus a movie, whether you have to buy the rights so You much, do, of course, 100%. Right? I mean, that's the thing. But Spielberg is like the one guy we should yeah. get into. You know what? Yeah, I'll, no, no. Uh, I'll, bring, I'll bring Ready Player One at some point. Um, I'm very upset because my favorite book, The Killer Angels, the movie, Gettysburg's kind of sucked. Hmm. So I have that experience of my favorite book being made into a movie, but ruining kind of that Oh, that's part. a shame. Like, yeah. I'm curious. I was going to ask you: Do you is there are there any Joyce movies? Because I don't know any. Yeah, there's a Ulysses. Is it anything? good? There's a couple Ulysses. Are they, I'm yeah, sure there it's, are. It's called I Old Brother there are Wire, Irish movies. Though. Yeah, yeah but that's here. that's the Odyssey. I, no, no, really, there like, literally is a. There's two. I know. There's one are they that was. Good, Bloom. I've never heard of them. So Bloom was fine. It wasn't very good. Uh, Ulysses, the the 1964 version. I want to say there's one that came out in 19 in like 2000. Uh, Four, eight, or something like that, somewhere in there, somewhere in like mid two thousand, like early two thousands. Uh, it was called Bloom, which I saw 
It was okay. It was fine. It wasn't long enough. That sounds um, weird. It sounds like uh, this is going to be all per- first person, you know. No, it was POV. it was Ulysses. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't it's imp- it's impossible to do Ulysses in a filmic version. It's just literally impossible. Finnegan's Wake you could get away with, but it would be, have to be very experimental and crazy. What, but Ulysses is is uh, four weddings in a funeral. Novel. What, you are a lunatic person. What about the, the <laughs> portrait uh, of, of the There's artist? no, yeah, there's none of that. There is, there is, is there a, like a, a modern There is take the on dead. Um, oh. the, there's the dead, which is there. Yeah, Bring there's out a movie your version dead. of that, which I think, I forget who's, uh, Angelica Houston's in it, actually, um, which is okay. But the dead, again, is not, it's just boring in and of itself as like. That a, was the one with the chainsaws. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. The, the evil dead? dead? E- you're talking yeah. about evil dead? Like, I, Ash? So dead. bad, so like bad. like Army of Darkness. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I, even I was know going more that. for Night of the Living Dead or the. Oh, uh, got it, yeah. got it. Um, the the sixty four version of Ulysses is okay, um, just because I like the guy who played Bloom, um, and it's okay. It's not bad. It's for what it's worth. It's it's a good version of it, but. Again, it's like it's 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 a just a different thing. Like it's fine. It'd be like a cool HBO TV movie where mm. you're like, "Hey, do you want a trailer for the novel Ulysses?" So that's basically what it is. Mm. There are zero tits. Uh-huh. Right, Kelly, what's your favorite book, and was it made into a movie? Oh, <laughs> what's your favorite movie, and have you ever read the book? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're asking. I don't know. Do I have a favorite book? Yeah. I don't know. Um. The Berenstein Bears. Should we come back to you? Kelly's like, there's food. I mean, I'm my hungry. original favorite book, <laughs> that too. But I mean, Harry Potter kind of got me into reading. Mm-hmm. So obviously those were made. What's your favorite books. Harry Potter movie? Uh, Hold on. It's the third. The first two are no. the only good ones. Really? The rest of them suck. I know. Number one, I just have a soft spot for the Sorcerer's Stone because it was just magic. Um, but no, maybe... Uh, Maybe the fifth one. Really? Um, yeah, I feel like the fifth one was my favorite book. I did not like that one. Really? It was very long, and it was just like uh, yeah, Dolores no, Umbridge. I, I get it. She I sucks. Like, oh fuck, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably my favorite book. Um, no, but I really like the um, the uh, what just came out, the Annihilation book series. And they did make it into a movie, and I will not see it because it's going to ruin. I brought Annihilation, the book here. It's going to ruin my image of the book because it's so fucking good. And well, we brought it all the way back to Harry Potter. Yeah, we did. I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. Wait, oh. (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. He's like, oh. Okay. Noah was better than the book. Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. Yeah, the Exodus was, yeah, that part of Genesis was basically just a a bunch of begotten. Darren Aronofsky does it again. Fair enough, sir. Yep. Yeah, the rock monsters were better than anything in the Bible. Yeah. Rock monsters. <laughs> I mean, big, I know, but strong they're hands. way cooler in the movie. Oh. <laughs> so check out all our shows on the Fallcast Network. You can get to go to uh, fallcast.com or uh, just uh, check out the shows themselves. We got the text before calling, which uh, coincidentally, coincidentally, I think you can listen to a little rant about uh, of Wheeler going off on uh, Spielberg's version of the Harry Potter movies, where they all get combined into one big giant festival of. 
Potterness. Uh, you can check out the other shows we have: the Going Down on South Park, Paula Tinkering, uh, this thing you just listened to, literally, and the uh, Wild Wild West World coming back uh, probably already, maybe ish. Soon. Yeah. yeah, get on totally. Uh, you can find Joey at uh, J O E B O N I E R at Twitter uh, at the Twitters and uh, what uh, twisted posted poetry discarded posted discarded po- discarded <laughs> posted poetry on the Instagrams. You can gram the uh, the O'Brien there and uh, me. Um, so you don't cold. really need to know about me. Uh, toodles. Bye. Thanks.